This is Josh Mills. And this is John Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are once again very happy to have you here on the first episode of our second year of production. And uh, we are having some wine this week. Now, if you missed us last week, last week we had our big one-year celebration. We did champagne. We did a big board eat off of. It was, it was a, a great time. Yeah, we it was a lo- party. Yeah, it was lots of fun. And then, you know, after the after the show, we finished and uh, finished the bottles off and just had a great time. Yeah, we did. So, what are we doing this week, Dad, in the world of wine? You know, we've talked about this for a couple weeks, and then. Uh, we stopped and had the celebration, and we or we had Susie on for carbonic maceration, but we're back to summer white wines. I'm doing Echo Damani Pinot Grigio. What are you doing, Josh? I am doing the, I'm going to butcher this name, Schlossel Keller Goldsberg Grunerweltliner from see, Austria. So you shouldn't buy one if you can't say it. You know what? It's a Gruner Veltliner from Austria. Yeah. So I can okay, say there that. There you go. <laughs> I can say that part. What about your food this week? My snacks are, I did a bruschetta. I did linguine with cheese garlic sauce. And then I bought this, but it just sounded so good. It's a lemon cream layer cake. Ooh, that sounds really. I think it'll, I'm, I'm pretty sure it'll go well with this wine. Yes, I really do. I think so as well. And then for my pairings this week, I have some spicy General Tso's chicken from a local restaurant. I have a little bit of duck ham and some bursola. And then I have mozzarella dotted with balsamic vinegar. Oh, wow. So I think it's going to be... So this time you did the meat and I did the vegetarian. Exactly. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that. Exactly. So, uh, well, two weeks ago now, we, we had a liquor episode where... I blinded a purple-ish liquor, That's right. uh, which I thought was Chambord, which is a raspberry liqueur. So, Dad, how'd I do? Well, I hate to say it, but you got it 100% right. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, it's und- undeniably uh, that smell. I remember when you were uh, going through your tasting notes and then you got down to smelling it and you go, oh, I know what this is. <laughs> Yeah, but I had to make sure I continued to go through it because sometimes I'll think think something and then I'm completely wrong, and then it it actually will kind of mess with you how you taste if you if you kind of guess at it before you go all the way through stuff. Sometimes that's right. But anyway, so all right, so now I think I'm up to what maybe three correct overall, well, <laughs> mostly liquors. But well, that's what I'm doing too. So big deal. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into. We're going to start with mine okay. um, this week. Once again, it's the Gruner, it's the Kimtal Gruner Veltliner from Social Kellerei Goldberg, uh, which is from Austria. Now the grape here is Gruner Veltliner, which is a lovely, lovely white wine. It's one of my favorite white wine, white grape varieties. Um, but also with our food, it's going to go really well because once again, I've got some spicy kung pao chicken. I have some duck ham and bursola, and then a little bit of mozzarella with some balsamic vinegar. Oh, it sounds great. So uh, I don't think I wouldn't say there's really an order, um, but if you wanted to do a particular order, I'd start with the cheese and then finish with the General Tso's chicken. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's go ahead and kind of get into it. Okay. Um, this is a beautiful like golden straw. Maybe not even straw, just kind of a golden yellow 
wine. It's got a little bit of like a greenish, a little bit of greenish hue to it. And I just, I think it's, it looks absolutely wonderful. What do you think? Oh, it does look beautiful. Both wines are about the same straw color. Ooh, that's a lovely smell. What do you smell it when you get into it? It's citrus, I think. Okay. I think this lemon lemon cake's going to go well with it. I think it probably would. <laughs> yeah. It probably would. So what are you smelling? So I get a lot of like, like you said, I get lemon, but it's like lemon zest. It's not mm. really like lemon juice. Mm. And then I get some green pear. So like a little bit of a grassy quality with a little bit of green and then pears. And mm. honestly, sometimes on some of them, I'll get canned pears. Oh, Because, okay. you know, I used to eat a bunch of those as a kid. It's got a nice little weight to it, a little bit of sweetness laying around on it. Um, and like I said, this is from the Social Kellerai Vineyards in Austria. And now, they come from a long, a long, long line of winemaking that dates back to the 1100s. Oh, wow. So, 1171, you know, monks kind of started this monastery where they're at now. And that was kind of the first wine grapes that were put in there. And then a castle was built in the the 1700s. And they just kind of kept going with that winemaking tradition, you know, all the way up to present. So they've got a really long tradition at their location where they grow. And like dates all the way back to the monks coming in in the 1100s. So like 1171 is when they kind of say, that the monastery kind of first started making wine in this same area of Austria. And the castle, though, has been the castle where they're kind of the family is and the vineyards that are around it dates all the way back to, the, to like 1074. Oh, my goodness. So, is, these, these guys are old. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot, a lot of history that goes mm-hmm. on. You know, they've got a great uh, kind of a, a great tracing of it on their website. Talks about even like between World War One and World War Two, how the chateau was used as a youth camp. Okay. And all, so you got to remember this is Austria. Mm-hmm. So you got to know what kind of youth camp we're talking about. Yep. Nazi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> During World War Two, French POWs were quarantined on the estate, but there was no like actual fighting that was done there. But it just you know it just goes. I mean the history in this land goes back a long way now about the wine itself um kimtal is a is a word that is used in when it comes to austrian wines to talk about kind of a putting together of the best wines um kind of your best grapes so it's kind of a it's a particular appellation Mm. or a a dac a dac uh for austrian wines so it's a you know, this is 100% Gruner Veltliner, so Gruner Veltliner is actually the grape itself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they harvest in October. It's all stainless steel, 12.5% alcohol. So it's a really light, refreshing. And it's a white grape, so. Yes, it's a white, white. grape. Well, it's a green grape, but yes, it's yeah, a, it's a white grape. And, you know, most of the vines are around 20 years old, so they're not really old, old vines, but they're young vines. Wait a minute. You were talking about 1100. Yes. B.C. And then, no, 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 no. No, no, no. I mean, Not 1100 B.C. A.D. A- <laughs> or B.C. Uh, yeah. Or C.E. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like 20-year-old grapevines. 
Well, so I really got real confused from the standpoint of, wait a minute, I thought these grapevines would be like, well, you know, they're really, really old. Well, there's a couple of things that you can't uh, expect a grapevine to be 900 years old. No, you can't. And, you know, back in, uh, I think it was the 1700s. I can't, I don't have this piece of history memorized, but phylloxera almost wiped out all the vines in France oh, well, and okay. in, in Europe in general. You know, phylloxera is a, a, a root louse yeah. that was actually brought from the Americas back yeah. to the old world and almost killed all their grapes. Exactly. It doesn't do anything to grapes nowadays because... We've done some the, grafting, right? Well, the, yeah, we've done grafting because Venice Americana or, you know, grape varieties that are native to the Americas mm-hmm. are they're they're resistant, resistant yeah. to phylloxera. Yeah. So they're actually using this rootstock and putting the mm-hmm. other okay. um, the other type of vines in them, which is which is a really fascinating piece of uh, wine history and how it is. Yeah, <laughs> you know the uh, the new world kind of got back at the old <laughs> at the old world for some of its uh, some of its problems that it brought to the uh, to the Americas. So, but um, you've been snacking and eating while I've been chit chatting. Well, this tell is us a, what you think. This is a mozzarella. Yes, it's a fresh mozzarella. And what would you put on it? A little balsamic? Yes, just a little balsamic vinegar. Not old balsamic or anything, just mm-hmm. regular balsamic. So it's a, it's a real texture mouthfeel. I don't really get a lot of the balsamic, but with the with the wine, that little hint of citrus that the wine has layering on top of the cheese is really good. Mm-hmm. You know, how could it have been done better? I don't know. But maybe. Well, if I'd have had some age, like really, like older balsamic. That's, that's what I was going to say. If you really had some really expensive old stuff. Right. That was a little thicker and a little bit more Something viscous. those monks made. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's going to be, actually, that's going to be more around uh, your wine part of the world mm-hmm. with um, with Modena. Mm-hmm. Off the balsamic vinegar, but yeah, you're right. You know, the cheese get, lends itself a little bit of flavor to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it doesn't really, I don't think it really does much as a pairing, though. Mm-mm. It's just kind of light on light. I don't think it's going to be best on plate. Well, I but I hadn't so. tried anything but that. I don't think so either. So, what do you taste in the wine itself besides? Because you talked about what you smelled mm-hmm. in the citrus and a little bit of that floral. What are you tasting in the wine itself? Well, I think. I think there's some fruit flavors in the sort of deep down in there, but I'm trying to figure out what fruit it might be. So, I mean, we're both getting the citrus. Right. I'm not really getting any saltiness. There's got to be some fruit and some floral in there. Yeah. So, what do you get? So, one of the things that I get... Can you identify it? So, I get get that lemoniness, but I always get pear when I have Gruner's. But it's not like a fresh pear. It's like canned pear. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with some of them, they'll have that viscousy sweetness. Mm-hmm. But I also get a lot of like some vegetal notes in there. There's green. You Maybe know. I'm getting a little bit of green apple. Green apple sometimes. Uh, or yeah. some people say like green beans, string beans, green beans. No, I'm not getting Those that. type of things are tarragon or yeah. freshly cut grass. Yeah. Uh, there's a good bit of minerality this to this to me. Mm-hmm. It's got some of that earthy rockiness mm-hmm. that you can get. I love the acid on it. Yeah. High acid, makes your mm-hmm. mouth water, cools mm-hmm. you off. 
And, you know, I picked this as my summer wine because it does those things. Mm-hmm. Cool, it's refreshing, but also it's 12.5%. Mm-hmm. It's not high up there in alcohol. Right. It's not really, it's something that you can have, you know, two or three glasses of mm-hmm. before you're just toasted. Right. And with it being hot, you know, you can definitely, you know, I, I don't know about you, but for me, when it's hot outside, I usually notice the presence of alcohol easier. Mm-hmm. And then I also notice its effect on my body okay. faster. Mm-hmm. Especially if I'm sitting outside, Especially sweating. I'm sweating out. I'm sweating yep. all the, my, you know, my water out. So if I'm not drinking a bunch of water, you know, I really start to notice the alcohol. Percentage alcohol goes up. Right. Yeah. Now, I'll drink a high ABV, a high ABV thick, big beer outside in the hot you know i do it i I do it on a regular basis but i do notice it a little bit more than i do when i'm drinking Mm -hmm. them in the winter Mm -hmm. so um let's you're i see you heading into the the cured meats Mm -hmm. Um, and just remember so persola we talked about it last week is a air-dried cured beef and then the duck duck ham is duck breast that they have gone through the full hamming process Mm -hmm. and these are from our local guys Hillcrest area meats. Now the air dried steak, yeah, pretty salty. Yes, and so I'm going to take a sip here and see what happens. I think the fruitiness of of the wine will calm that saltiness down. I also think it's going to pick up extra flavors. It's going to show out. Salt likes to show out flavors too. Yeah, now I'm getting more. I'm not getting those green beans. I don't think I ever will. But I'm getting more of the green apple. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I get or more. Pear, of the, you know, I get more of the herbaceous side of it, like um, not quite basil, but like thyme, mm-hmm. tarragon, mm-hmm. like those type of flavors, or even like some gingeriness. Mm-hmm. I'm getting that a little bit more with at least the Versola, but it works really well. Like the the earthiness of that beef mm-hmm. kind of brings that brings out some of that bottomy note mm-hmm. that the wine doesn't have. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, to me, it, it it really kind of brings up the wine a little bit. Right. Now I'm going to go for the duck. Because duck is delicious. Duck, two episodes in a row. Who knows, I'll do duck next week. We'll do three episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's not as salty. It's not as salty, but it's more smoke. Yeah. It's going to have more of that smoky flavor and the unctuousness from the fat from the duck and just the flavor of the duck itself. So that acid of the wine and that duck fat, they're just, they're doing so good, good, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, that fat and acid play so well together. You know, their fat and acid are opposite sides of our, you know, your tasting spectrum. Mm -hmm. Um, So they, they play well together and so does salt Mm -hmm. and there's, and that minerality that's in the wine goes really well. The duck just adds that unctuous earthiness, that little bit of extra weight mm-hmm. to the wine, and it kind of calms down any type of sweetness that you may be drinking in the wine mm-hmm. or maybe tasting in the wine. Because I, I don't call this wine sweet, but it is definitely... No, it, it's... it's a, it, it presents itself as a sweeter style wine, but it's really not. It's bone dry. It's dry. Yeah, yeah. there's, there's it's no... It's crisp, res- it's dry, but it's still refreshing. Mm-hmm. From that finish standpoint, you know, it doesn't give you any kind of bittering right. finish. It's just very smooth at the end. 
Yeah, and that's the thing about, you know, when we're talking about dry versus sweet, you have the whole, in wine, a wine is dry if the sugar is fermented out of it. Mm-hmm. If it's if it's done, if it's fermented dry, that means there's no residual sugar, no RS mm-hmm. in the wine. Now, when we taste something, mm-hmm. the flavors that we get taste sweet mm-hmm. because they're things that we register in our brain as sweet, like strawberries, right. pear, apple, those things, we have that in our head that they taste sweet. So a lot of times we say a wine is, some people will say a wine is sweet when it's actually bone dry. This mm-hmm. happens with Riesling a lot. Right. Now, there are a lot of sweet Rieslings on the market, but you can have a completely dry fermented white wine yeah. like Riesling, but it tastes sweet or like a Hertzmeter. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's not, or, you know, in the red world, Zinfandel. Yeah. Zinfandel sometimes can present itself as sweet or, you know, but it's not because <laughs> it's, it's dry. Mm-hmm. Now there are some versions that leave RS in there, mm. but anyway, that's my tasting note for the day. <laughs> um, so while you're getting into that, dad, a little bit about Gruner Veltliner the grape itself it heralds from the from that region in Austria kind of that area is its home it is extremely widely planted in mm. Austria there are a few new world places that are doing it new zealand australia sometimes flirt with it united states in very in some particular regions but it really hasn't caught caught up in the new world yet Canada grows some because it does like colder weather. Uh, we're talking in the eastern, no, yes, the eastern part of Austria. So if you think about Austria, kind of looks like a, a prosciutto, mm-hmm. you know, the kind of the leg of the ham. Uh, we're talking like up in the big rounded part of the back of it. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, the area is. Um, sometimes you'll hear the region called Wachau or Wachau. Oh, really? Now, is that the northeastern or the northwestern? It's it's kind of the cent- the central west the central eastern part. Oh, okay. So if you kind of you know, it's got a big hump in the back, and it's kind of all that that's right along. I think it's Czechoslovakia mm-hmm. that it borders right there. So that's that's kind of the where where the area that it's coming from um you know we have kimtal like this one's from from trestal vargum nuremberg so that's the kind of area or the uh, the the wachau w-a-c-h-a-u is the larger region that it's come from so you could kind of say that that like wachau would kind of be like the bordeaux Mm -hmm. and then the Kimtaw would be like sent to staff, mm-hmm. Graz, so the sub-regions for it. I really think Austrian wines get missed a lot. Yeah. Um, this was, I think, 20 bucks. Yeah. But you can find them for, you can find some good gruners in a liter bottle for $10. Well, see, I think it was Mark 18-something, and I bought it on Wine Wednesday. Yeah. I mean. It, so that put it down around 15 Right, and that's that's kind of where you know this is a small, you know, a subregion one, but there are ones that just come from Austria. Like I said, you know, Skeleton is one that's been around for a long time. Comes in a liter bottle. Second pour. 
<laughs> so I had to have a second pour because Josh is it spicy? Uh, <laughs> that Colonel Powell's. So General Sal. Uh, General General Powell. General Sal. Sal. T S Sal. T A O. General Tao. General Tao. Chicken. So I ate some of the chicken and it was spicy. And so he's laid it on a bed of rice. So I got down there and got some of the rice. Well, guess what I found? You found a pepper, didn't you? I did. Oh, man. And my mouth's still burning. So the wine calmed it down some, but it it couldn't take it all the way out, away. Because that, that well, I mean, towel... Chicken's meant to be spicy. Right, and you probably just ate like a piece of a bird's eye chili or something. Which are hot. Yeah. But that that spiciness, if you, if you don't eat one of those peppers, it's a nice spiciness. It's not overly hot. It kind of sits on your palate for a little bit. You just drank some of yours. I know I did. I, I, had, to, <laughs> I had to try mine, and it seemed to calm it down a little better. Yeah, so there's course, probably... maybe the fire's going out slowly. <laughs> Yeah. In my mouth. But that little bit of kind of that weight on the palate of the wine is what's going to calm it down versus the kind of sugar levels. And the Echo Domani may actually have a little bit of residual sugar on it. Yeah, I haven't seen that in my notes, though. Mm. What else you got on there? I just love this wine. I mean, there's a lot we can talk about with this wine and where it comes from. But mm-hmm. I think the thing about it is it's an undervalued grape. Mm-hmm coming from an undervalued region Mm -hmm. and it is totally in my opinion one of the best summer wines out okay because like we've talked about it's refreshing it's easy drinking Mm -hmm. high acid but it's got a lot of flavor Mm -hmm. you know it's got a lot of flavor to it sometimes you find easy drinking whites that just don't have flavor to them right and you know for fifteen dollars or if you even want to go really cheap you know, $10, mm-hmm. it's totally worth it, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. This is a wine that, you know, if I floated down the Buffalo River or I was canoeing down the Buffalo River, I would pour I would pour a bottle of this into a Nalagene. Yeah. And I would tie the Nalagene to the side of the boat and have it running in the water to keep it cold while I was floating or going yeah. down the river. Because I think this is, like I said, it's 12.5%. And you're not going to, I mean, right. you can get hammered off of it. But it's going to not well, it be... What says there on the internet? Can you get drunk? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. Uh-huh. You drink two bottles of it, I think you will be. Right. But, <laughs> if you, you know, but but compared to some other things that you could be drinking on while you're floating down a river, you yeah, know, like this is... Zen, big Zen or... Yeah, or even some of those... Cab you know, or... Even some of the, like, canned cocktails that they have now. Mm. Those range, you know, between 10 and 15% That's in right. a can. Right. <laughs> and so you pop a couple of those, you've had, you know, two and a half glasses comparable to this wine. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I just think it's, it's undervalued and I just, I just love sharing it. They have a, this place does a great rosé too. Oh yeah. Um, yes, we've had it before. Oh, I almost bought a bottle. It's like 15 bucks and it's a great, wonderful rosé that rivals mm. rosés from France in my opinion. Hmm. But anyway, so like I'd rather drink this in a second. Well, I think Austria, Argentina, a lot of different places are just overlooked. Chile. Chile, that's another one, yeah. And especially around here because, you know, it's hard if you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. nobody's ever told you, hey, try this. Right. 
and you're not super adventurous, then you're never going to know about it. Okay, listeners. We're telling you. Go buy yourself a bottle of Gruner and enjoy. Yeah, from Austria. Yeah, it's good. Now, let's see. Did I try everything on your plate? I think I did. Yep, you did. Well, I don't have any. I mean, like I said, I could talk about this in the wine for a while. But I think we should go ahead and uh, switch over. But I still got some General Tiles chicken. (laughs) (laughs) And you got some of your food. So, again, I'm doing Echo de Monte. Pinot Grigio, it's a 2019, is the vintage. I have a bruschetta. I have a linguine with cheese and garlic sauce. And then I have this lemon and cream layer cake. So I think that's pretty much, you can do anything you want to, but that's pretty much the order I'd recommend. Now, same basic color. I think mine is a little lighter than yours, maybe. Yeah, I would say yours is definitely lighter in color. It's more pale, mm-hmm. more of that really pale, mm-hmm. kind of goldish. But now the alcohol content's the same. It's 12 and a half. This is Italy. This is an Italian wine. And the reason I picked this Echo Damani is its price point, the sticker that is on the bottle was eleven ninety nine. Mm. You buy that at wine wednesday you're below ten dollars and i think any anyone can afford it right and it's one of those wines that when you go to a you know a restaurant it's probably on their bar it's probably on their list yeah you know it's not fantastic but it's it's a very reasonably priced good wine and it pairs very well with light dishes. That's why I got the linguine. You could have some kind of poultry or fish. And, of course, any kind of light cheeses. I don't know that you'd want to throw in a big, you know, a big uh, blue. But you think you could. Right. And if you wanted to drink this with tuna, why not? Go for it if you like it. Yeah. Now, one of the things that Joanne and I learned, not necessarily about this particular wine, but about this style of Pinot Grigio or Summer Whites, as we just called them, you can chill your glasses, chill your wine a little bit, pour it into that chilled glass, sit there at the beach mm-hmm. or the back porch where it's warm, right? and, and it's going to be, it's going to stay cool. And it's a good wine that way. Mm-hmm. This is in the area of Italy that is the northeastern part of Italy. It's kind of that top hump of Italy. So we're not down at the boot. We're not at the football. We're up northeast. And it's uh, these Pinot Grigio grapes make the wine crisp elegant and what they do is they you know it's again the white green grape and they take them they they crush them they press them they allow the the juice to cold settle prior to fermentation in an upright stainless steel for about three about three weeks at an average temperature of 64 and then the wine is aged surely 
for two months and then on the on light days until bottling. So that's why it's such a clean, crisp, wonderful mouthfeel of wine. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start looking at the pairings. Yeah, so I'm going to go straight into the, the linguine. Okay. Because it looks really delicious to me. Um, but just trying it by itself, you know, when I smelled it, I got a lot of like honeysuckle. Mm-hmm. And like waxy honeycomb. And not a not a whole lot else. It just kind of presented that, that singularness to me. And then on the, t- on the palate, there's a little bit of fruitiness there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not really defined. It's really light. And like you said, it's kind of elegant. Now, this is from, like you said, from the area up north in Italy. Now, this is from outside of Venice. Mm-hmm. These are grown outside of Venice, if I'm not mistaken. Sounds right. Because it says Pinot Grigio del Venezia. Venezia is Venice in Italian. And just a little thing about Pinot Grigio. Well, if you ever had Pinot Gris, you've had Pinot Grigio. Mm. Uh, they are actually the same grape. They're not cousins or brothers or sisters mm. or clones. They are actually the same grape. Gris and Grigio both mean white or gray, actually. Gris is uh, gray in French. And Grigio is gray in Italian. Okay. Um, so they're saying that, you know, this is the gray, the gray of the Pinot variety. Uh, mm-hmm. There's also Pinot Blanc, which is actually very, which is actually very different than uh, Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio. But how's it with the uh, bruschetta? Oh, it's great. Pretty sure it would. I did a little balsamic vinegar on top too. So it's just a simple bruschetta, you know, your toasted bread. With your olive oil, with some some garlic, chopped up tomato, chopped up basil, put the Parmesan on cheese on top. Yeah, it, it really goes well with this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you were talking about the residual sugar. Did you ever say how many grams per hundred milliliters yours was? Mine doesn't have any. Zero. Zero residual sugar. Okay, well, I got I got sugar here. <laughs> what's the art? What's Seven, the 70, 70. 70 grams per 100 milliliters. Well, and that's one of the things that... That's middle of the road, isn't it? Well, that, I mean, that's pretty high. Is it? Yeah. So, 70 grams per liter. 70 milligrams per liter. 70 grams per 100 milliliters. Which is a liter. No, a liter is a thousand. So it's 70 for every 100? Yeah. So that means there's... That's a lot. 400... There's a lot in that bottle. <laughs> right. I mean, if you think about it. But anyway, it's but that's one of the things that makes it really approachable. And I think that's why for, when I had the... the that's why it works. Because... Towel, mm-hmm. chicken moment. You caught me using my wine. Yeah. And I think it calmed it down better because that residual sugar in there was higher right to make that that colonel powell's pepper mm-hmm. calm itself down right the sugar just tried to counteract it and hold it down yeah because it couldn't because <laughs> i really got i you think i chili. got that red chili pepper no i'm sure you ate the red chili i did so this is not 100 percent pinot grigio okay what else it's is 87 percent pinot grigio and then 13 percent chardonnay Okay, because in Italy you only have kind of like in America you have to have eighty percent Pinot Grigio. Eighty percent of the the grape that's on the label 
to be able to put it on there. Say that again, Josh. Well, so you have to have, just like in in the United States, in some regions of Italy, it, it varies um, based on the, the DOC, but you have to have 80% of the grape that's listed on the label to be able to put it on there. Oh, okay. 80%. And so Chardonnay, I think, okay, so that makes it, it's a little bit more interesting knowing that there's, what, 16, 13. 20, 13%? Mm-hmm. Chardonnay in there because it, it does have some of that Chardonnay-y-ness, mm-hmm. like from what you get from Chardonnay, some of that kind of, you know, the, the mallow, the, that roundness, the kind of apple a little bit of that appleiness that's in there. And then I also think the honeysuckle mm-hmm. is kind of more of a, would be more of a characteristic from the Chardonnay. Do you get any of that like honeysuckle or honeycomb? I get I get the honeysuckle lightly, you know. So I think that's the fruit that I taste with this wine compared to yours that I was getting the apple pear. It's it's completely different. Yeah. Well it's a different type of yeah. Like I'm getting a little bit more apricot. Mm-hmm. Like especially after eating this linguini that's got a good bit of garlic in it. <laughs> so it's garlic and cheese, right? In the linguine? Yeah. What kind of cheese did you use in it? Parmigiano. Parmigiano Reggiano? Yeah, Parmigiano Reggiano. I didn't have heavy cream. I had half heavy, so I used half heavy and then butter. And you know, yeah, but I um, micro did the garlic, but I did also have, because I did the bruschetta, I had oil and garlic left over, so that went into the water. <laughs> I love well, garlic. I mean, yeah, and, and it's not overpowering. No, it's not overpowering, but it definitely presents itself. Yeah, to you. Yeah, it says there is garlic in this dish, mm-hmm. which is which is fine, and I think that works well with the that honeyed sweetness, kind of that cooked appley apricotiness of the wine, because it kind of calms it down. It kind of brings it down a little bit and kind of coats over, mm-hmm. coats over, but it tastes good. Yeah. So I read this sentence, Josh, and I'm, I want you to dissect it for me. The wine was aged sure lie for two months and then on light leaves until bottled to preserve a clean and full mouth feel. So what is sure lie for two months? So showing my ignorance here, but. I might not be the only one of our listeners. So, <laughs> Sir Lee, or Sir Lee, is a term that means on lees. Yeah. Now, lees, lees are the dead yeast cells okay. from fermentation. So, what is probably happening for the two months is it's probably in stainless steel mm-hmm. where they ferment it, or mm-hmm. it's in neutral oak. It's in Probably stainless in. steel. It's in stainless steel. And so what happens is they let fermentation happen. Once fermentation is done, now they I, I bet they move it to neutral oak for this to be surly. Well, what it says is it's S-U-R-L-I-E, surly. Yes. For two months and then on light. What's the C's? L-E-E-F. Right. Until bottle. So... What it's saying, basically what it's saying is that the wine is, is sat on the dead yeast for two months. Mm-hmm. The full amount of the dead yeast for two months. 
what that does is it brings out a little bit of extra roundness in the mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. Kind of mm-hmm. beefs it up a little bit. Champagne, okay. do, champagne does this. Okay. Champagne does certainly when during sec, when it's second fermentation. Mm-hmm. Places in the Loire Valley also do it. Mm-hmm. And then probably what they do is they rack it mm-hmm. or they drain the wine out of whatever vessel they're using to age it surly. And then they only leave a little bit of the leaves left. Okay. So it's not like full surly right. for that whole time. They kind of break it up. And most of the time, the other thing that can be done is what's called batonage, which is where you stir up the leaves. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of helps give that whole feel to the entire, to the entire amount of wine that's in the container. Which what, which is what makes me think that they put it in neutral oak at this time. Which is most of the time, yeah, it doesn't surly, say that, but it makes sense. Most of the time, surly is done in neutral oak. Okay, so that's that's what that means, and that's why you're getting a little bit more of a. This has a little bit more body than other Pinot Grigios you may drink. Mm-hmm. Now, I did not know this, but they have a Merlot. Did you know that? I did not. Echoed I, really? It says it's medium body, ripe cherry aromas, plush blackberry flavors. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Mm-hmm. Uh, Merlot wine is well-structured, balanced, and soft on the palate. Hmm. I'm going to have to look for that. And the region is much larger region in Italy. I mean, it goes halfway down the leg of the boot. For the what? For this area where the Echo Damani Merlot is. Okay. I guess, you know, you you need warmer climate. Yeah, for, it's for Merlot. Yeah. So that's uh, interesting. I never knew that. Yeah. I mean, there's 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 so much wine grown in Italy. It's it's crazy. I mean, everywhere everywhere that can grows wine grows wine. Mm-hmm. I think there's some 300 or 3,000 synonyms for for wine grapes in Italy. Because oh, really? each region okay. may call the same grape by a different name. It's okay. just, it's, it's, it's crazy. But this is a good light, like you were saying earlier, for a summer white, this is a good light structured, easy drinking, very, very approachable wine. And like you said, you'll see it in a lot of restaurants. A lot of restaurants. And this is, you know, kind of a cheap and cheerful. You know, by the glass, I don't know what the price is, but it's going to be very reasonable. I haven't tried the the lemon cake, have you? No, not yet. I'm struggling the best on my plate. Oh, that's quite lemon. You said you just bought this, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Where'd you buy it from? Edwards. Oh, that's lemon over the top, isn't it? Uh Uh-huh. The lemon cake. Woo. Yeah, it it cake is wonderful, but it overpowers, doesn't it? The echo. So this is one of those places where you when you pair something sweet, the wine has to be sweeter than the thing that you're eating. And that's this right. is where it is not true. Well this And this that's cake, why the wine cake is much more sweeter. Right, and that's why the wine, when you taste it with the cake, tastes bitter mm-hmm. and not good at all. Mm. Like it's like biting into the rind of a lemon. 
<laughs> yeah. Like getting all that pith or the, you know, the pith of an orange it just has that citrus, that really, really bitter citrus, citrus taste. Now mm-hmm. the cake by itself is delicious. Oh, it lights out by itself. Yeah. You know, pour a little glass of Chambord with that cake. Oh my gosh. That would work really well. You want me to get you some? <laughs> no, I'm okay. So, by the way, we're talking about the Merlot that they have. The Merlot is, uh, and we're talking about the sugar. The Merlot is 44 grams. A little over half of what the, the white is. Are you is. sure it's per hun- every 100 mils? I'm looking right at it. Per zero, one zero zero milliliters. That's one. 100 milliliters. 1,000 milliliters is a liter. You said point zero zero one. No, I said one zero zero one. That's a lot of sugar. Both of them. Well, I mean, most because most of the, most of the time you do grams per grams per liter. I know. Anyway, that's crazy. But this uh, Merlot would go well with all kinds of uh, meats and chicken and tomato-based pasta. It'd be a good. It'd be a good one to. Check out. Right. You and mom have had this wine a lot, right? Yeah, it's kind of a cheap staple, if you will. Why? I'm just curious if you had any stories about it. Well, <laughs> uh, the the main story is what I already told, is that, you know, if you're down in the Caribbean or down somewhere in Hawaii or wherever you are that's warm, if you chew your glasses a little bit and put the put the wine in your refrigerator and bring it out and have it, you know, they make these, you know, I don't know what they call them, but they make a, a koozie, wine koozie, that you can actually put in your freezer. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, we lost, we lost our best one when we were in the hurricane, but, you know, you can buy, you can buy these, you can buy these, Wait, wait, what was it chilling? What was it chilling during the hurricane? It was in the freezer, and it came time to leave, and you can't pack everything. <laughs> That's true. But <laughs> the point is, chill your glasses, chill your wine, get that wine koozie, or, or you know, what we do here is we always put it in, we put it in the wine holder with the ice. Yeah, just a little ice bucket. That's about the same thing. So... That's so, just a portable method, is that little wine koozie. So I have to correct something what? Um, from something that we said earlier. You know, Grigio is not a green-skinned grape. That's Pinot Blanc. Mm. Pinot Gris is actually a pink. It is a pink-skinned grape, just like uh, Gehrtsmüller is a pink-skinned grape. It is not a red grape or a black grape. It's actually pink. So that's why that's the difference. That's why it's Grigio, not Gris. Well, I don't believe that. (laughs) (laughs) I just flipped my uh, computer screen around where Josh can see it. And there's a picture on the uh, Echo Damani website that shows a green grape. Those also might be underripe. I guess. I don't know why they'd show us an underripe. Well, to to fit that persona of what it should look like. Okay, well, anyway. But it's actually, you know, 
it's one of the ones that actually it's kind of it's kind of pink. Mm-hmm. Um, but when they press it, you know they don't they don't leave it on the skin, so it doesn't get any color transfer. Now there are some people that will allow it to sit and get some of that extra get some of that extra flavor um, and color from okay. from the wine. And that's what's that's what's an or, that's what is an orange wine. Yeah. So orange wines are you know wines that are from you know white wines, right? That are that are set on the skins for a little bit. Mm-hmm. No, I really like this wine. I mean, you know, part of it's because it it's a good it's a good solid wine, Pinot Grigio. It's not the best, and I I wouldn't know what the worst is. But it's Italian, mm-hmm. and there are and other. It's a standby. I mean, you know, for that price, there's lots of others that are in that same price range too. Yeah, you know, our friend Maggie, when she was working at the at the liquor store, she pointed us to several that were in the same price range that were maybe you know probably better. Right, and I mean, so when it comes to you know Pinot Grigio, it it. it it is a extremely popular grape. Mm-hmm. It's one of the ones that people know how to say. So when they're in a restaurant, they see Pinot Grigio, they'll order a Pinot Grigio. Right. Um, and, you know, they're kind of used to this, but, you know, there are other regions, like there are smaller regions that mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. really good ones. Um, you know, Alta Alger is a smaller region of Italy that does Pinot Grigio. You can find it in Germany. It's, Grauburgunder. Grauburgunder. Grauburgunder okay. is what it's called in Germany. You can find, you know, Pinot Gris from Oregon. Mm-hmm. We ha- when we did Oregon, um, you actually did a Pinot Grigio. I think I did. Because you right. did the Erie Pinot Gris. That's right. And, or I did. One of us did. One that's of right. us did. And that Erie Pinot Gris is actually a Pinot Grigio that's grown mm-hmm. in the United States. So... You know, there's a lot of iterations of this wine, and you know, like I've said before in this show, this one is very approachable because it does have some extra sugar on it. Mm-hmm. It does present itself very, very nice in the glass. Most yeah. people are going to be able to say Pinot Grigio and not Gruner or Gruner mm-hmm. Beltliner, so they're going to go to what's what is comfortable. Mm-hmm. But if you put these two wines side by side, and if it it'll both of these wines will fit in your budget. Yeah. I mean, because you can, I mean, even if it's not this exact bottle, mm-hmm. you can go buy the liter bottle of Skeleton for 10 bucks. Okay. Or, you know, the Domain Wacow, which is another uh, great gruner. They're, they're going to be under $20. Under, you know, 15 to 20. Mm-hmm. Skeleton's going to be 10, some of the other ones. But to me, if I'm going to be sitting outside drinking something, Mm-hmm. I'm gonna want something that's gonna have that's gonna have that more acid. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be more refreshing to me mm-hmm. and have more flavor. And I, that's why I think for me, if I had to pick one wine that out of the like when you put them side by side, you can tell a difference. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, yeah, I think so. Now, if you got the sweet tooth like I do, this echoes. <laughs> well, yeah, you know. That's a lot of sugar. I didn't realize it's it a lot of right. sugar, but it doesn't taste sweet. It does, yeah, it doesn't taste syrupy sweet like some of them do. Which is why I'm, I'm. That's why I keep going back to the seventy, because that would make it what 
700 per liter that doesn't ma- that doesn't make sense i'm just looking at it no, i know i know you're just looking at it i'm just i'm i'm talking i mean you you understand the point that i'm getting at when i'm thinking about this right is just when i'm thinking about it as if i make a simple syrup i mean that's a you know you know one one part gosh you know 10 parts water seven parts sugar mm-hmm. that's that's to me that's way up there but anyway, I'm getting off on a rabbit hole. Yeah. Now, 70 grams per liter would make sense to me. But uh, anyway. Well, is there anything else you want to no, that's, say that's, about your wine? You no, know, that's pretty much it. I was really surprised about the Merlot. I didn't I didn't know they had that. So I'm going to have to look for that one because I bet it's I bet it's really good. Yeah. If, if it's if it's sold here in Arkansas. If it's, yeah. If it's sold here. So, our bottle's pretty distinctive. You know, you got that. Looks like a little plug in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. There's an ED. And, you know, Echo mm-hmm. echo means here. Mm-hmm. And Domani means tomorrow. Yeah. In Italian. So it's here tomorrow. Or like here for tomorrow. All right. You about ready for best on plate? Yeah. Go for it. What was the best on your plate? Well, I like the bachetta. I thought I was going to love the cake, and I do love the cake by itself. But the cake with the wine, like you said, the cake had so much more sugar that it just made the wine taste bitter. Yeah. And that was sad. Yeah. Very sad. Yeah. I really liked the the pasta. Okay. The garlic, the garlic went well, and the wine toned it down the dish a little bit. It worked really well. The cheese and the cream mm-hmm, and everything mm-hmm. worked worked well. Yeah, I'm proud of that. That, that turned out well. I All thought. right. What about on my plate? Well, you know, I did a lot of complaining about that general towel, but it was best on plate. I mean, we love we loved the steak, the dried steak. We loved the duck. Everything went pretty well except the cheese, the mozzarella um, with the basant. It just was really... Unfortunately, it's sort of bland, but the general towel and the wine, they just, they talked to each other and that pepper was talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they did. They did play very well together and played off of each other very well. Um, Mm -hmm. I think for me, it was the duck. Yeah. I think the duck, not just because I like duck. If there's duck on the plate, Josh is going to pick it. Oh, maybe, but I really think that with this one. That unctuous knee and the smokiness of the duck just rounded out the wine mm-hmm. and gave it something that it didn't have and mm-hmm. offered some of that herbaceousness to the duck, which the right. duck didn't have. So right. that's what I really, really liked. So mm-hmm. it was good. There's no doubt about it. All right. Well, are you, are you ready to blind me on a wine? I am. One of these days, we're going to have to blind you on a wine. Oh, that'd be disastrous, <laughs> Josh. All right. Well, let's get it poured up. All right. All right, we're ready to do the tasting, the blind here. Uh, Once again, I'm using a tasting sheet, which was developed by a former boss of mine, Jennifer Henderickson, who is now the uh, learning and tasting director for Doing Serene in Oregon. Uh, So this is a red wine. It is clear. There's no evidence of gas or sediment in it. It is kind of a deeper concentration of kind of a red or a ruby going out to kind of magenta, lighter 
meniscus on the outside. There's no like real rim variation. Uh, there's some kind of like maybe uh, some like little ruby red kind of in there as well. Um, as for the viscosity and tears, I'd say you know they're about normal, um, about medium size. On the nose, this is a clean, clean wine. Uh, it's kind of youthful. It's um, it's moderately intense. Kind of comes out and punches you in the nose a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it has a little bit of kind of dried flowers in it, but definitely some red fruit, um, kind of like in the strawberries, raspberry, black, or kind of red cherry kind of family. The fruit seems to be a little bit like dried or kind of baked. Uh, it's got a little bit more earthiness to it. There's definitely some like dusty or mushroomy, maybe, maybe a little mushroominess to it. Um, like I said, there's some dried floral in here, a little bit of stoniness to it. And I think there's going to be some oak usage because there's some of those like spice notes to it on the palate. This is a dry wine, um, alcohol. I'd say it's medium to medium plus. Tannins are a little bit lower. Acid is kind of medium. Yeah. Tannins are mediums, medium plus. Acid is medium plus. Um, it's a little bit rounder of a texture. Kind of medium body, but confirming all the the darker fruits. Uh, confirming all those kind of red, stewed, baked um, fruits. Some of those uh, cherries and strawberries. Who's tasting this? Me or you? Oh, I'm tasting it too. <laughs> it tastes good. Mm. Yeah, there's a little bit of that brambleberry, brambleberry taste to it. A little bit more dustiness and earthiness than on the nose. Uh, a little bit of like kind of crushed rock on it. It's definitely dry. Definitely, definitely some dry. some oak usage, uh, but it's still light, fun, and refreshing. Tannins. Tannins are kind of medium plus, I would say. Mm-hmm. Maybe not even plus. No, they're they're medium plus. They're coating the they're coating your teeth a little bit. Okay. You know, it's um, you know, it's kind of a medium complexity in the finishes, about medium plus. Um, I'm gonna say that this is a old world or new. I'm gonna say that this is an old world wine. I'm gonna say it is from a moderate, moderate climate. Uh, possible grapes here: Sangiovese. Nebbiolo, Pinot Noir, Gamay, Tempranil, maybe. Um, not quite feeling the oak enough for Spain, but possible countries, Spain, Italy, France. Um, age range, I'm going to say it's probably three to five years old. All right, let's 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 figure out what this is. That's some good earthiness, I think. Um, I'm going to say that this is a Sangiovese-based wine. I think it is from Italy. I think it's from Chianti. I'm not going to go any farther down than that. And I think it's probably from the 2017 vintage. So, Chianti from Italy in 2017. Okay. And you guys will have to come back next week to see if I am incorrect or if for once I got a wine right. It's been a while, it's been a while since I've got one right in the wine world. So... But, Dad, what are we going to be doing you next? You need to practice more. I do. I, I need to practice more on beer. I do need to blind a whole bunch more. Okay. So, Dad, what are we doing next week in beer? I think we're doing fruit beer. 
All right. Fruited beers. What are you going to be doing? I'm going to do, if I can find it, the Lindemann's Rambrosia Raspberry Lambic. Oh, okay. Beer. So you're going to do the, the Lindemann's Rambrosia. The Lindemann's Raspberry. Raspberry Lambic Ale. Okay. So that means it's going to probably be a little sour, but it's going to be fruit. It will be, but it's definitely definitely going to be fruited. And then I am going to be doing the Abita Strawberry Lager. Ooh, that ought to be good. Yes, it is a it's a wildly popular beer, um, especially in the South. But I'm going to be doing the Abita Strawberry. Okay, it'll be it'll be lots of fun. And so, uh, Dad, this was a good one. You know, we had a couple good good on plates, and you know, it's it's warming up back here in the South. So yeah. I think I'm going to take my bottle and go finish it. Oh, okay. <laughs> Out on the back porch? I mean, probably. Or front porch? <laughs> Either way. But, yeah. you know, this was, a, this was a good old time and, you know, great a great start to year two. You know, Pinot Grigio's and, and yours, um, what's the grape? Uh, Gruner Veltliner. Gruner Veltliner. They're really great for the summer. That's yep. what we did. Summer wine. Yep. So thanks again for sitting through another episode with us. We're we're happy to have you here. Remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are most active on Instagram. If you have liked us, you like what we do, um, go on your favorite podcast platform, give us a like or a star or rating, however you do it. We'd love to have you as a subscriber. We love looking at the analytics to see where you're listening from. Uh, but don't be afraid to reach out to us on any of the social media platforms. Or if you want to send us an email, you can definitely send us an email at acquiredtastings at gmail.com. And when you listen to the celebration episode, we talked about a lot of different episodes that we thought was the best in certain categories. That doesn't mean they're the best. You tell us what is the best. You know, your best cocktail, your best wine, your best beer, your best liquor episode. Tell us what you think. That way we can uh, pattern some new episodes about around the same kind of thing. Yep, we love, we love hearing from you guys. You know, if it weren't for you out there in podcast land, we wouldn't be doing this. So, well, once again, I'm Josh Mills. And I'm John Mills. And we'll see you next time. Thank you and goodbye.